Good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. I know there's a couple of you here that have never been here before, so welcome, especially to you. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you this morning. Um, the rest of you that have been here before, it's great to see you. Um, there's a couple of things that I want to share with you. First of all, if you are new or if you've never filled out a contact card, I haven't mentioned that in a while, but I really would love for everybody to be receiving our newsletters from LV, like the one we received last night. A lot of great information that gets you plugged in and allows you to know what's going on in our, in our church. I think you'll be blessed by that. So if you go online to crosspointchristianchurch.com, you'll see, if you scroll all the way down, you'll see a, a short, really easy to fill contact uh, application, and that'll put you in our emailing list, and you'll be receiving all this uh, wonderful information. So again, welcome. I want to share with you a couple of things. That is, tomorrow is Memorial Day, and we have a special video that we're going to watch right now together. Uh, but we're also going to have a, a picnic. So if you're interested in just kind of having a day at the park, I, haven't, I think I haven't been at the park for over a year. <laughs> I don't think I've been to the park in over a year. So we plan on being there. All the information is on that newsletter. If you have questions, see me or somebody else uh, to um, get that info. Palm Park here in Whittier, 12 to 5, bring your own food. Be ready to play till you drop. Or you could just sit around, bring your Bible. We'll pray and talk. All right, that's, that's the picnic. Um, I also want to mention, uh, there's a special announcement. I want you guys to be ready for this, because I'm really excited about making this announcement. It's about 15 months in the making, and that is that the elders of Crosspoint Christian Church have decided to lift all COVID-19 restrictions while at church, starting next week. <laughs> starting next week. What does that mean? That means if you still want to wear a mask, if you've been, not been vaccinated, you feel the wearing a mask is, is good for you, go for it. Uh, that just means we're not going to be taking temperature checks when you come in. That means we're not going to be requiring you to wear masks. And at the same time, I want to thank you for all of you who I know, especially those of you who found it really difficult to wear a mask. And, and out of consideration, we said we're going we're gonna, to uh, wear masks here at church, and you did that for over a year. We thank you for doing that. Um, I hope that it would have been out of just consideration and love for each other, not knowing where we're all at in that situation, and not allowing that to be a divisive issue or allowing that to, to divide us. So, so thank you. Starting next Sunday, that's June 6th, I believe, then all restrictions, COVID-19 restrictions that we've had in place will be, will be done while at church. We also will continue to provide the online option for those of you that are watching online for, for whatever reason. Um, and I say that only because I know there's people that are out of state or, or really far that aren't able to make it. There's other people that still feel a little eerie about meeting indoors. So wherever you're at, I think you'll be able to uh, be accommodated for, for that. The whole point is to be able to continue to do what we did this morning, and that is lift up God's holy name and just recognize his goodness, his greatness, and his love and mercy for us, and to be able, out of gratitude, just to express that to him. All right? So... That's what I wanted to mention. Tomorrow's a special day. Uh, I, for one, am super grateful to live in, in this country, beloved. I know there's a lot, of, uh, a lot going on in our culture about our, our country, but I think we could pretty much just about everybody unite in the idea that Memorial Day is a very special day. It's a very special day in which we remember all of those brave men, women, that over the centuries have given their lives uh, in order to protect our freedoms and the things that we get to enjoy. So I hope you enjoy this video that we want to share with you this morning. 
We're grateful for anyone who's willing to go out and defend this country and the values that it represents around the world, uh, and especially those who have given the ultimate price. That speaks of physical freedom, for which we're very grateful. But I want to share with you as we take communion, I hope everybody is um, ready. If you, if you don't have a cup and bread, you want to raise your hand. Uh, we thought we had a, uh, all right, we have one person right here. Just raise your hand, keep your hand uh, up, and we will come by and give you one. But I want to look at a verse here in John chapter 15, verse 13. John 15, 13. John 15, 13, it's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And obviously as we celebrate or remember Memorial Day uh, and think of the people that have given, again, their very life, uh, I can't help it but meditate and remember the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ paid that ultimate price in a category of his own, of course, being God in the flesh. And he did that for us. And here the Lord says, no greater love has, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down what's life for his friends. Romans chapter 5 speaks of something very similar. Hey, that maybe for, for a good person, some people might dare to die. For, for, for someone that you love, hey, you might dare to die. But then Romans 5, 8 says, but Christ, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here Jesus says, no greater love than for a person to give up his life for his friends. But what he did is totally different. He gave up his life, not for friends, but for his very enemies. And we are extremely grateful for that. And through his sacrifice, we can attain spiritual freedom, forgiveness of sins, based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ on, on the cross. And that's what we celebrate and remember, proclaim as we take communion here together this morning. So if you peel back the plastic and take the bread, which symbolizes, it's a symbol of the sinless body of Christ that was nailed to the cross. Let's take that together. And as you peel back the second layer and expose the juice that represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, let's take that together. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Thank you for allowing us to gather, and thank you for everybody who's here. We know that nobody is here by accident or by coincidence, but we, you have us here in order to hear a message from your word, and for that we're grateful. We pray for your guidance, your help. Holy Spirit, teach us, convict us, transform us. All for your honor and glory, Father. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We'll give our ushers a minute to uh, come by and pick up those remains for your cup. So this morning I want to do something a little ambitious, and that is I'm going to have a message with six points. I know you're laughing inside. Some of you guys are not hiding your laughter. You're just 
six points, so we're going to go fairly fast, and we are going to attempt to cover a whole chapter in the Old Testament from the book of Joshua. So this week, for those uh, overachievers that have maybe read ahead in your book that we're using for our growth groups, you will probably know that this week we're going to be dealing with confession. Excellent chapter, beloved. Take a look. Uh, make sure you read that chapter. I believe it's chapter 6 in your book that we're using for our growth groups. Uh, and, and here's what I want to encourage you this week to do. I want to encourage you to ask questions and to not pretend like you got it all figured out and that everything you read, either in that book or in the Bible, that you already know. I'm, I'm reading that stuff, and there's a lot of things in there that are like, ooh, that's deep. That's deep. And, and when you try to articulate that, it, it gives you an idea whether you've internalized it, really understand it, or you give people an opportunity to say, like, ah, that's not quite what I understood. Or, hey, maybe, hey, you're way off on that interpretation of what the author meant. So I want to encourage you to do that. You know, the, those growth groups, the small groups, the idea is to, to bond, to grow closer so that there's a, a greater level of intimacy and, and trust so that you don't have to sit there in your group or whether it's online or in person and, and hear everybody out and just, you know, not and act like you, you got it all figured out. None of us do. None of us do. And that's kind of the point. We're, we're attempting to grow together. So read the book, listen to the message today, follow along, and then maybe you have questions from, from this uh, message. And that'll be great to have those, those conversations together. So the title of this morning's message is Continual Confession. Continual Confession. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 7 in just a little bit. But I want to share a key verse, which is 1 John 1.9. The Apostle John, towards the end of his life, maybe 90 years old by now, he's writing these letters, short letters. They're found towards the end of the, uh, of the Bible. If you go backwards, you have Revelations, uh, Jude, and then the three letters from John. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, there's an awesome verse that says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beautiful verse. We should be very familiar with this one. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The book, by the way, uh, deals with this section, and, and I, I would imagine that maybe for some of us, we're going to be reading some stuff that's like, huh, I never saw it that way, or I didn't understand it this way, or, or maybe I didn't believe it this way. And I hope we're challenged and encouraged, again, to ask questions, to investigate. Never believe what I say just because I said it from the pulpit or because it's me. It's your responsibility to search out, to read, to study, to ask the questions. We're here to help. The main point of this morning's message is this. Living for the glory of God requires continual confession on our part. If we're going to live for God's glory, it's going to require for all of us to be in continual confession. Confession of what? Here's a big three-letter word. Sin. Sin. Uh, unfortunately, somehow it's, it's become a bad word. Like, sin, why are you going to talk about sin? You know, there's preachers out there that will literally not deal with sin and they'll go on national television and, and admit to the fact that, you know, everybody's already talking about sin. Why would I talk about sin? I want to talk about something nicer. 
Beloved, if there's one thing that you and I need to be constantly reminded of so that continued confession can occur is the fact that though we are saved, we remain sinners, forgiven by the grace of God, and that is never, ever an excuse to live as we please. All right? Confession is uh, very misunderstood in many ways. Every religion, every culture has ways to try to get rid of their sin or to deal with their sin. Many of us, as did my family, come from a Roman Catholicism or Roman Catholic background. Maybe some of you are, are dealing with that now. And we're not here to talk bad about anyone, uh, but I can tell you from experience that my family, my dad, when he became a Christian, he was the first one in his family. And one of the things that I remember him saying that were his objections to Roman Catholicism was this idea that you would have to go and confess your sins to another man. And I've heard that many, many times. I heard that, I think, last week in our growth group. Somebody mentioned that. You know, the idea of having to confess my sins to another person who I know is also a sinner just never seemed right. And, and, and it's been my experience when people come out of somewhere else into the truth, which we all do, we come from somewhere, and no matter where you came from, before you knew the truth, you had ideas about how to deal with your sin. Now, how do you know how to deal with your sin? And, and partly that's why there's so many religions out there, right? And that's, that's a lot of people's, uh, uh, one of their main questions of why they don't give themselves over to Christianity, because how do you know what's true? Well, I would say, beloved, that I stand on the word of God. I stand on the word of God. Not on what somebody told me, not on what my dad said, not on what my grandma told me, not on what somebody on television with you know, lots of letters after their name said, or, somebody, or even my pastor who I had for 30 years, wonderful teacher. I learned from him that I shouldn't trust what he says, but to trust only in the word of God. And so when you come to Crosspoint Christian Church, you don't come to listen to Mike. You don't come to see what Mike believes so that you can believe that too. Hopefully you're here so that you can be encouraged through me in the preaching of his word, through your growth group leaders that are there to help you along, through your peers and your mentors, to be encouraged for us to seek the truth. And even as I say that, beloved, because I grew up in church, even if we say that, even if we're in agreement, I don't think we quite realize how much we believe, not because of personal conviction through the study of the word, but because we heard it at church and we heard it so many times that we just kind of take it for granted and we think we believe it until our faith is shaken and challenged, and then we realize that our faith that we thought was really strong was actually kind of childlike faith. But that's what we're here for, to learn, to be convicted, to be challenged. And I think Joshua chapter 7 is going to be a chapter that we're going to talk about an individual whose name is Achan. Achan. You might think, well, who's that? Well, there's a whole chapter dedicated to him in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 7. And the story is really not about him, as you've learned. I've said this many times. When you read a story from the Bible, it's not usually about the person or the people that we're reading about. Ultimately, every story in the Bible is about God. And so as you read Joshua chapter 7 and we take a look at this, it's about God. It's about his holiness. It's about his will. It's about his character. It's about what he wants for us and from us. That's what this story is about. And as you see Achan, you might have the tendency to want to, or the urge to criticize Achan and point your finger at him and say like, ooh, Achan, what is such a bad boy? But I would hope that you, as you see Achan, you see yourself in there, because I certainly do 
and did. I see myself in Achan, and it's a scary thing when it comes to sin. So let's get right to it. And let me say this as an introduction. Uh, I heard this quote a while back, and it was pretty gripping to me. And it goes a little something like this. Sin will always take you farther than you're willing to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And sin will always cost you more than what you're willing to pay. Always. We kid ourselves when we think that we're getting away with something. Nobody knows. The only person that matters always knows. And sin never goes unpunished. And we're going to see that. So let's get right to it now that I got you all scared. Everybody okay so far, right? All right. It's, it is actually a very intense chapter in the Bible. Very intense story. So what, what's going to happen is we're just going to do, we're going we're gonna to read the whole thing as we go through it. And we're going to make some observations. And every point that I want to share, the main word in that point starts with the letter C. Joshua chapter 7. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. We're going to do quite a bit of reading. And we have 20 solid minutes to do that. So let's get right to it. We're going to talk about continual confession. We're going to see how it is that God wants us to deal and how he deals with sin. Because ultimately confession is to agree with God about how he views our sin. And just for the record, the Bible says we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory. And it's not before you became a Christian. It was certainly before you became a Christian. You were an unforgiven, unrepented sinner. And after you have a relationship with Christ and you're born again, you are a redeemed, forgiven, but still sinner. Point number one is found in verse number one. And that is, point number one is, we're going to look at the sin committed. The sin that was committed. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, uh, sorry, let me give you a little bit of background. Just a tiny bit of background. I'm trying to limit it to one, maybe two minutes. Okay, so what's happening here? This deals with the nation of Israel. Okay, we're in the Old Testament. Joshua is a person that takes over Moses as a military leader. God takes his nation of Israel some possibly 2 million Jews out of, after 430 years of, of, of their stay at Egypt, and 400 of those years were under slavery, all right, 400 years of slavery, God takes them out using Moses as an instrument to, to, to take them out of Egypt. They wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, and what God was doing, he was purging his nation so that everybody that was 21 years old and over died in the wilderness with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. And after those 40 years, they get to the promised land. And, you know, Moses gets to see the promised land but never cross over the Jordan to inherit it because of what he did as a punishment by God. And he dies. And as he dies, Joshua takes over. And as Joshua takes over, the military conquest of the promised land begins. And so the nation of Israel under Joshua goes over the Jordan, crosses the Jordan River into this land, and they begin battling and, and warring against all the inhabitants that God had said, I want to destroy them before you. I'm going to give you victory over them. You don't have to fear. I'm with you. 
And Joshua begins that. And one of the first places that they defeat or conquer is Jericho, as you remember, right? And these were not military people. These were people that had been slaves for 400 years, generation after generation. And yet God says, I'm going to give you victory over them. And they get to this city, Jericho, with fortified walls. And God tells them to walk around six times. And then on the seventh time that they walk around, shout. And God's going to give them the victory. And sure enough, that's what happened. You see that in chapter 5, 6 of Joshua. And so right after this tremendous victory in Jericho, we get to a place where just west of that, there is a place called Ai. And Joshua sends, well, that's going to that's gonna be, be on, here on the, uh, on the section. So I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to leave it up to there. That's the background that you want to have in mind as we start reading chapter 7. They've, they've entered the promised land. They're conquering the people. They had an amazing, uh, God-glorifying victory over Jericho, and then they come up to Ai, and look at what happens. But, so everything was great, chapter 6, victory over Jericho, chapter 7 starts with but. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabedee, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing So that the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So God had given them a command and said, you're going to take over these lands and don't take anything. Everything that is accursed or chosen for me, all the the gold, all the goods, you're going to bring that into my treasure. But you don't keep anything. But Achan, and he's going to, we're going to see what happens there. I just want to focus on the fact that, talk about the sin that was committed. God says, somebody took something. And God's anger was aroused. And let me say this, beloved. God's anger is still aroused just as bad for every sin that is out there. It's hard for us to understand that. There are no levels of sin when it comes to God. There are greater consequences to our sins. But because God is holy, 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 and perfect, any sin that we commit is ultimately a sin against him and a breaking of his law and is an offense to his character. And his anger burns towards sin. You might think that that was like, that was like 3,000 years ago. God is the same yesterday and today and will be forever. And you might think, well, how come we don't like all get decimated right here because I know I've sinned. We'll talk about that. It's only his grace and the cross. But look at what happened here. We're talking about the sin that was committed. Achan take something that the Bible describes as a curse. And we're going to find out what that was. Romans 3.23, I mentioned it. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is not a matter of like, hey, this is not a message that you want to elbow the person next to you. Ah, did you hear that? That was for you. No, that was like for all of us. Because we've all sinned. And because we've all sinned, there is therefore a need for all of us to confess that sin. I want to just mention one quick thing here in this first point, and that is that nothing is hidden before God. Nothing is hidden before God. And you might be thinking, oh, but I have a secret social media account. Nobody knows about that one, Mike. When I go with my friends, I make sure there's nobody from church so that nobody knows. Or when I do this, I make sure I go really far away so that nobody knows. Beloved, nothing is hidden before God. And we're so ridiculous, right? 
We act different when an elder of the church shows up or maybe if, you know, if I, if I were to see you at the market, and I don't know, but I would imagine some of you might feel a little weird, like, whoa, there's Pastor Mike. Like, you might stand up a little bit straighter and stop yelling at the kids or whatever. There's this influence, right? But somehow we kid ourselves to think that we can get away with things because we're hiding from everyone, when in reality, God is the only one that matters, and he knows everything, and there's nothing hidden from him. Let's take a look at verses 2 through 5, because we saw verse 1 talks about the sin that was committed. Verses 2 through 5, I want to look at the consequences of this sin. Verses 2 through 5. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is besides Beth Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country, so that, so that men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up from there and the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six men. For they chased them from before the gate as far as the uh, Sherebrim rim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. They went from being able to defeat a powerful city like Jericho with impenetrable walls to now a small city with a little, small little tiny military And they weren't able to defeat them. And in fact, 36 Israelites lost their lives. Why? Had nothing to do with the military power. It all had to do with the fact that when when Israel was obedient, they had God's favor and there was nobody that could stand against them. The opposite of that is that when there was sin in the camp in Israel, they couldn't even fight against a minimal opponent. The same goes for us, beloved. The same goes for us. There are consequences to our sin. So keep this in mind. Because Achan sinned, 36 of his fellow uh, soldiers lost their lives against Ai. Directly because of that. Because of the sin, the sin that was committed and we see the consequences. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. That speaks to all of us. There are things sometimes that we convince ourselves that are okay. And maybe we talk to a friend and a buddy and they'll say like, yeah, dude, go for it. If that's what you want, do it. And there you are feeling confident like, okay, I'll go ahead and do that. It seems right. And then it says, but the end is destruction, death. I would love for us to realize, too, that we miss out on God's blessings when we choose to sin and not be obedient to God. Not only do we have to worry about how is God going to discipline me, which he talks about in Hebrews, but we, we forfeit all the blessings that God wants to bestow on us because of our sin. Sin is a very, very big deal for God, and it should be for us. So we see some of the consequences. We're going to see other consequences later on. But let me move us over 
to the confrontation. That's verses 6 through 18. We saw the sin that was committed. We see some of the consequences. But then we see something very interesting, and that is the confrontation. God putting his foot down and saying, I am not going to allow that. Starting in verse 6, all the way to verse 18, it says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought us this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O oh, Lord, what shall I say to Israel when Israel returns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut, us, cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? I love that. Joshua is before God, prostrated on his face, dust in his head. He's saying, God, why are you allowing this? And if, if, if they annihilate us, what's going to happen with your name? Who's going to worship you? Who's going to praise you? At least he uses that. Verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and, con- and deceived that they have put... And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. So there's Joshua seeking the Lord, doing everything he can to show his humility before him. And God says, man, get up. What are you doing? What's this show? You don't need to know, do all this stuff. Get up and take care of the sin that is among you. Now, Joshua didn't know what was going on. It had been hidden from him. And there's so much that I would love to say here. Because sometimes we're leaving, living these, these lives, and not always. This is a general statement. But sometimes we're li- living these, these defeated lives as Christians And then we go to God and say, like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? And we all do it. Why are you allowing this to happen? We're kind of saying, like, I'm such a good person. Why are you doing this to me? And I think God would say the same thing. He would say, like, get up. Stop the whining. Take care of your sin problem, and then you're going to see my blessings be poured upon you. And I'm able to say that confidently. Because I think that applies to all of us without an exception. For all of you here, everybody online, and everybody who's going to watch this later. We need to learn to deal with our sin instead of saying, Lord, why is my life not being effective? Where is the joy that you promised me? Where is the peace? I don't know what's going on. And, and, and you kind of see God's impatience here towards them. Get up. What are you doing? Take care of your sin, and you're going to see my blessings on you. Let's continue. Did I finish all the way to 18? I did not. 13. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, because thus is the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. Cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. 
And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families, and the families which the Lord takes shall come by household, and the household which the Lord takes shall come by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by the tribes, and by the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the, the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerhites, and he brought the family of the Zerhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. I don't know if you were able to understand what happened there, but God says, we're going to take care of this problem. So tomorrow, get everybody ready, have them sanctify themselves, and present everybody, all 12 tribes of Israel, present them before me. And when everybody's there, in front of everybody, I'm going to choose one tribe, and he chooses the tribe of Judah. And then from that tribe, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to choose one family from that tribe. So he chooses Judah. The other 11 are like, whew, whew. And then Judah's there, and he chooses this family. Out of that family, that household, out of that household, every man comes before the Lord. It's like this bad, bad lottery. And then Achan comes before the Lord, and they say, that's the guy. 36 men died because of him, and he's hiding some stuff. He stole, and he hid and that's why you can't even stand against the smallest of armies. Deal with him. And he said, kill him, burn him. You think God is serious about sin? He is. And he's just as serious about sin as now as he was then. And if you ever, ever doubt that, you need look no further than the cross. Where God the Father in his wrath pours it upon his very own son. God in the flesh, our Lord Jesus. No joke. And by the way, you either accept what God did for you at the cross, or you expose yourself to that kind of punishment and anger and wrath from God for all of eternity in a place called hell, separated from him for all eternity. God is very serious about sin. Let's hurry up here. Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Even when you look at people and say, like, wow, those people are so sinful, and they're getting away with it. Nobody gets away with anything, beloved. Even as Christians, it's not that we get away with it. It's that our sin was dealt with at the cross, and Jesus took the punishment. That's why we should be so grateful and in love with our Savior Let's look at the confession, chapter 7, verses 19 through 21, three verses, 19 through 21. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, listen to this, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. Your continued confession is a way to glorify God. Did you catch that? I don't make these things up. Give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me how now, what you have done, do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. Listen to this and see if you don't see yourself in here. When I saw 
among the spoils of beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. That's a confession. He says, as we were conquering, fighting, I saw this, and it was a beautiful garment. And he probably thought, what a waste to just leave it there. And look at that bar of gold and silver, and he took it. He covered it and he took it. James 5, 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much The opposite of that, beloved, is for us to keep things to ourselves. Keep your secrets. And you know what your secrets do? They mess you up. They will eat you up from the inside. You keep your secrets. And you keep your secrets and you allow that sin to permeate and affect your spouse, your children, your friends, your teammates when you don't confess that sin. We need to deal with our sin, beloved. That is the confession. Let's take a look at the cost. Verses 22 through 26, what happens? So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hitting the tent with the silver under it. And they took it from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters... His oxen, donkeys, sheep, tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones till there, it's still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. When the sin was dealt with, and it did require Achan's death, as, long as, his, as well as his children, his sons and daughters, and everything that he owned. And you might say, boy, that sounds a little extreme. Yes, it is. In case you didn't know, God is very extreme. And God is very serious about sin. The wages of sin is death, says Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our only hope is to put our trust in Jesus Christ who took our place at the cross. Other than that, you can expect separation now and for all of eternity. You might think, yeah, Mike, but that's the Old Testament. I'll remind you, Acts chapter 5. By the way, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira... They lie, pretenders or hypocrites. They go to the church and act like, you know, we sold our house and we're giving it all to the Lord. And Peter says, why have you conspired? Why are you lying? And boom, he drops dead. And then his wife comes back who conspired with him. And then she drops dead. And you know what happens? The same thing that happened in Joshua. Why did God ask everybody to come forward? He knew who it was. He could have just zapped Achan. He wanted everybody to understand what his holiness looks like and how serious he is about sin. And he does the same thing with the church. As the church gets started, he says, you can't be playing games like this at the church. And he used Ananias and Sapphira as an example 
of how serious God is about our sin. Beloved, that's why if anybody ever calls you out on your sin, you should be grateful. And I'm not saying let's create this environment where we're all pointing our fingers at each other. But boy, are we, are we prone to wonder. Boy, do we need people to be courageous enough and bring things up to our face and say, look, what you're doing is wrong. You need to stop that. Why? Go look at the sermon that Mike preached the other day. Or read chapter 7 of Joshua. The last point I'm just going to mention, it, which is the conquest. What is that? God's fierce anger relents once the sin is dealt with. And I'm just going to read one verse. Now the Lord, in chapter 8, verse 1. Now, now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given them into your hand, the king of Ai and his people, his city and the land. The sin is taken care of. Now you may continue conquering the land. I am with you. Sometimes we struggle and we, we work, 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 trying to make things happen for us. But if we're not dealing with our relationship with God and specifically with the sin in our lives, all that work is of no avail. It's useless. Because we're not dealing with the sin in our lives. We're not exercising that daily confession. The minute we deal with our sin in our lives, then you have God's favor. And that's all over the Bible, beloved. Psalms 1 comes to mind. So keep that in mind. When we engage in continual confession, we can find victory in Jesus. We can't do it the other way. We deal with the sin, understanding that Christ has ultimately dealt with our sin. But what we struggle with now, we need to give that over to him, not make excuses, and strive to live for him in Christ's likeness and holiness. And when we mess up, we confess it. And we confess it to each other. We, we get together and we talk about our, our shortcomings and our struggles. And you're going to find that there's a lot of power and strength and encouragement in that. I, I'm so encouraged by everybody that I know here. And, there, and, and when I meet somebody who's struggling with something, immediately I'm thinking like, boy, if they could only meet this person, if they can get together with that person so that we could encourage each other and grow together. And that's part of what growth groups are. So, beloved, I hope you're blessed by this. I know it's an intense chapter but there's so much to 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 learn from that but bottom line we're all sinful we all fall short of god's glory even as christians we need to deal with our sin and the power is found in the blood of christ not just for forgiveness and salvation but for strength to live a life that brings honor and glory to his name and god bless you let's pray heavenly father thank you for this beautiful morning and thank you for your word i know these are strong words this is a heavy message but, Father, no doubt we need to hear it. We all need to hear it so that we may continue to learn to practice continual confession. We don't want to offend you. We want to honor you. And, and as a cherry on top, we get to see your blessings and your favor upon our lives. And all that glory goes to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who makes this possible. So we thank you for this time. We ask for your blessing as we dismiss. Help us to, to be mindful of your presence and uh, to walk worthy of your calling. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen.